0: Is it possible that something as simple as taking a moment of the busy day to smile and reflect on that moment can make the world a better place? These are the words of today's guest, Karen Schiffman-Latiner, who is the author of Timeless Dance, A Story of Change and Loss. Hello, everyone. My name is Pamela Brewer, welcoming you to this edition of Mind Talk and introducing you to Karen Schiffman Latiner, who is a trained mental health clinician with a specialty in infant development. Karen, welcome to Mind Talk.
1: Thank you, and thank you so much for having me.
0: Karen, on June 4th, in the late 90s, your life changed forever. How so?
1: Well, there was a phone call that came almost in the middle of the night. We were just about going to bed, and it was a phone call from across the country telling us that our, asking if I was the mother of Jennifer Latiner, our oldest child, and uh, to say that there was an accident and that the worst had happened, and that changed all of our lives.
0: I would think so. You must have been completely speechless and stunned and everything else.
1: Yes, I was. And what struck me in my memory, and of course, one cannot verify, her words, uh, the woman who called, were very harsh and impatient with me because I didn't understand what she was saying.
0: Where did this call come from?
1: It came from the medical examiner's office in California. Isn't that? And a, they had been trying to reach parents. Yeah.
0: Isn't that a little unusual for it to come from the medical examiner's office?
1: I thought so. And as I say in the book, there was no kind policeman knocking on our door, door from our local town precinct um, to wait with us until somebody could come. It was just this very cold, impatient, and harsh-sounding voice on the other end of the line.
0: To give you the harshest of news. To give us. Yeah. Absolutely. Something that Mm -hmm. no parent ever wants to hear. I'd like for you to introduce us first to Josh, your son. who We report to you that um, after school he'd been the victim of bullying. Tell us a little bit about little Josh.
1: Okay. Well, first I should say that Jennifer, who was killed in the car accident, we knew as Joshua for the first 21 years of um, her life. because uh, And Jenny became Jenny and transitioned at about 22, 21, 22 years old and was killed when she was 24. So little Josh, yes, was very different, very, very bright. Um, extremely bright in school, Uh, didn't have many friends, although was very likable, but he was young in the grade, and he would get picked on and bullied, and uh, we would explain it away as, um, well, you know, you're just very bright. Sometimes young might not fit in. Uh, We would try to go to the school and talk to the principal and the teachers. And at that time, that point in time in the 90s, early 90s, it was, well, kids are like that. This is what they do. Boys will be boys. Girls will be girls. That kind of thing. Uh, That never sat right with me. And I started getting very involved with um, working on committees to try to change that kind of school climate. And I've, I've still been involved with that because I feel that no child should be bullied. No child should have to go through school frightened.
0: And so many children do. Uh, uh,
1: yes, exactly. It,
0: and, and that's a whole so even, other conversation. It's a whole other topic, yes.
1: So um, we had no idea. Jenny, Joshua, excuse me, as a child, gave us no hint of what um, he was struggling with, and that was a very big thing, his identity, um, and decided uh, to put it away into denial because there were no questions to ask. There was no, um, this was the the 90s, the early 90s, and Joshua decided to put those feelings that, well, maybe I'm a girl, uh, or I am a girl, or I feel like a girl, or when will I become a girl? Uh, He put that away, grew a beard, cut his hair short, had a software company in in Boston, um, wore a, you know, a, a sport jacket and button-down shirts, and he was a guy, very much a guy, a businessman, a sweet, sensitive, nice guy, but a guy, nonetheless. There was no thought that um, he was hiding this identity and keeping it secret. And finally, he just couldn't keep it anymore and started learning a little bit more. There, were More information was becoming available about transgender and gender identity, and um, she finally came out. Moved to Portland, actually, and um, came out there. And we lived in New Jersey.
0: What was that like for you and your husband? You, I know you were astounded. You just had no idea.
1: We had no idea. We were astounded. Um, that... After Jenny, when Jenny moved from Boston um, after her software comp, she had a software company there that was way ahead of her time and didn't quite make it. So um, that's when she moved to Portland um, with a girlfriend or to, to be with a girlfriend. And it was there that she found help. But that, that time while she was in Portland before coming out to us, we were very concerned because... Um, We knew something was going on. The stress level was high. And it was interesting that there was a noticeable change on our phone calls. We always remained in touch. Um, In fact, my husband noticed it, that suddenly Jenny was, uh, or Joshua, it was Joshua to us at the time, was calm and um, much much more focused and um, easy to talk to and less stressed. And that was the time that Jenny had gotten permission to start taking hormones. And that's often something that transgender people will say, that once they get the permission, they go through all of the counseling and testing and they get permission to take the hormones, there's a noticeable change. The the stress is lifted. So we, we were grateful that, those was nearly a year of the stress that we were feeling and the anguish for our son, but saying, all right, we'll let him, you know, be on his own for a while, see how, you know, kind of work things out, grow into himself, a grow-up year. Um, but there was that noticeable change. And when Jenny did come out uh, to us when we were visiting in California and she uh, met us there, It was a big shock. It was a huge shock. We had no idea. Um, But we said, all right, we've got to process this. Um, My first thought was, as I sobbed uncontrollably to Jenny, and I'm sorry to Jenny that I did that, but I just felt, as a mother, what was my child going through all those years? How awful for her.
0: Which is such a compassionate Place to go because, as you well know, there are many parents uh, who might have sobbed uncontrollably, but not for the reasons that you did really out of anger, right. out of you know, I have to fix this, you know, what did I do mm-hmm. wrong, all those things that aren't helpful to anybody. So, even no. in your tears, I, that I, was a gift to Jenny. It,
1: it was, but I also, you know, those thoughts leave it through my head, those bad thoughts. But um, I I put them away. I said, you know, we can't do that. Um, And yes, I wanted answers. I needed to research. I needed to learn everything. And that was more what I did. Um, And it took a while. It took a while to get used to this idea that my handsome, wonderful, brilliant son was becoming a woman that I didn't know. And... I didn't teach her how to be a woman in the world. How could she be a woman? I taught her to be a man. Both kinds of thoughts. So I had a lot to learn. And I really went into as much research as I could find. Um, There was little online. I mean, there was some, but not like today. Not anywhere near today. This was 1996. Um, And It took a while to digest. We took Jenny. We asked Jenny to go to a gender um, clinic, Uh, Dr. Eli Coleman, the World Authority on Transgender Health in Minneapolis. And we um, asked Jenny if we could go there for a real evaluation to make sure nothing else was going on. Because, again, we didn't know. And Jenny agreed, and we met her in February in Minneapolis, um, the, their cold, one of their coldest winters on record and we met with Eli Coleman um, and he did evaluations and he basically congratulated us and said you've raised a very healthy transgender person Interesting. and the best thing to do is to love and support her and call her Jenny and that was kind of a good confirmation that we needed and I think, you know, Jenny gave that to us. Jenny was wanted us to to be in in her life and understand um, because her her um, community in Portland of other transgender people. Well, when let, Jenny came out to let, us in California,
0: me, Karen, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I, I I need to interrupt you. We need to take a break. But when we come oh, back. Okay. When we come back, we'll pick up with uh, when Jenny came out to us in California. Okay?
1: Okay. All right. Thank you.
0: Folks, this is Pamela Brewer. You're listening to Mind Talk. I'm having a conversation with Karen Schiffman Latiner, who is the author of Timeless Dance A Story of Change and Loss. We'll be right back. Karen, tell us about being in California with Jenny. What was that like for you?
1: It was a time of confusion, a time of um, really adjusting, cognitive dissonance, um, trying to adjust to this new situation. Uh, Jenny, um, Jenny needed to call, after she came out, she needed to call her uh, friends in, in Portland, her uh, from the transgender support group to let them know that she was safe, that she wasn't kidnapped, that she wasn't forced into conversion therapy or um, admitted to an institution, to a mental institution. And I thought, my goodness, that's so shocking. This is, this was her, um, her world of other transgender people that she knew. And we knew that wasn't going to be us. I mean, we were going to support her and be there.
0: You have just um, mentioned two phrases and I'm not sure all of our listeners understand. Cognitive dissonance. What does that mean for those who don't know?
1: Well, I, it, I'm looking at my son, whom I thought was my son. I looked at my son, who now went from neatly bearded um, short-haired young man to now a little odd, bleached blonde, half-shaved, um, kind of a funky hairdo, a uh, little androgynous-looking. Uh, that would be the most, the best way that I could say that she was now dressed androgynously, so that when she arrived in California, she would look male-ish and not look too female-ish. And I was looking at this son that I raised, my, my, my son, and I was seeing this person emerging. And it, it denied what I knew. Mm-hmm. So I had to know this whole new thing. It was my cognition was, was in, in, in put in a kilter. It was um, turned upside down until I could make the adjustments. Uh, sometimes it felt like I was looking through a kaleidoscope, and at one time it was a picture of josh and then i 'd move slightly with a picture of Jenny or the woman emerging, so it was very confusing to me um,
0: and tell us and it about takes time. tell us about conversion yeah. therapy. what does that mean okay um
1: it is Banned in many states in the Union, I'm I'm not exactly sure, I think it's 22, it's banned in, but conversion therapy is where somebody is forced into a therapy to convert them from being gay or transgender, to um, force them into changing, to becoming, to be heterosexual and comfortable in the body they were born with. So, so to
0: quote-unquote convert them into who they're not in their view, in their experience.
1: In their view, but who they are in this view of their parents and society, perhaps.
0: And conversion it's therapy to change them. It, conversion therapy can be pretty harsh.
1: It can be very harsh, yes. yes.
0: What would you like to... What would you like listeners to understand about the concept of gender, identity, and sexual orientation?
1: Okay, um, one of the things, as I was learning and, and explaining to people who Jenny was and why she was a lesbian, because uh, that, was, that was a question I had, too. Um, I had that for Jenny. I said, I don't understand. You were a heterosexual male who dated women and girls in college, and high school and college, and now you are a lesbian. And Jenny said, Mom, I was always a lesbian. And then I started to understand that gender identity, who you identify as a person, a male or a female, is totally independent of who you're attracted to. So in truth, it was Jenny appeared to be heterosexual before coming out. But to her, she was always a lesbian, always attracted to women, because always Jenny inside. So yes, gender identity and sexual orientation are on two different spectrums uh, or continuum, uh, and they're independent of one another.
0: Does you know, it, that it, explain it well enough? <laughs> it, it, actually, it, it explains it well, it, and, and I think about how confusing it would have to have been for Jenny as she was growing up, and then how confusing mm-hmm. it was for your family to learn actually what Jenny always knew.
1: Right. And when I've explained to people, I usually do, um, I draw lines. And for um, biological sex or um, assigned gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, perceived gender and perceived sexual orientation, social role, um, they can all be male, female or somewhere in between. And they're independent. They're independent lines. So I do go into that quite a bit in the book.
0: You know there there are so many parts of timeless dance that are heartbreaking, that are joyful, um, that kind of make you giggle. You you talk about um, the image of Jenny skating through the office with purple hair. Um, so th- there was so much about her that that was really so wonderful. One of the things that you say that is actually quite poignant and I think powerful um, is when you say, if only I can tell anyone who rejects a child for not living up to their expectations to imagine for just a moment, what if your child were to die and you still had not accepted him or her? Can you say a little Mm -hmm. bit more about that?
1: Uh, that was the feeling I had. I had, um, you know, I, I just want to get across to people that children come in so many different ways and their our expectations can be so different that they need to be loved and supported. And, in fact, it was just in September 2018 that the American Academy of Pediatrics came out with a policy statement saying that transgender and gender-diverse children face many challenges in life. But like cho- all children, they can grow into healthy and happy adults when supported and loved throughout their development. And when I read that, I said, finally.
0: Exactly.
1: Finally. Exactly. And that's, that was my thought when Jenny died had no patience for anyone complaining about their children. And, of course, we all complain about our children and, you know, about different things. But um, at that point in time, and still, children need to be supported and loved. That's that's And may I just say something? You had attributed to Jenny's quote. You said that at the beginning of the book, I said um, a quote from Jenny, Uh and she wrote this just before she died, that is it possible that something as simple as taking a moment out of a busy day to smile and reflect on that moment can work, make the world a better place. And that's who Jenny was. She was just a beautiful, beautiful spirit and person.
0: Thank you for that correction. And it does give us more insight into the person that Jenny was, that Josh was. Um, so th- yeah. thank you for that.
1: Oh, you're welcome.
0: There were people who, when Jenny died, um, mm-hmm. Chose not to join you in in the services, um, and one of uh, Jenny's cousins actually you, you describe as assuming that she had been murdered or beaten to death because she was a mm-hmm. transgender woman when in fact it right. was a car accident, as I recall.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. It was. Um, unfortunately, that's you know that was his. Impression that um, maybe somebody beat him up because she was dressed like a girl, or he was dressed like a girl. Uh, he hadn't seen Jenny or gotten to know her. Um, so, yeah, it was the first thought. It was, um, and I think because that is a reality for transgender people and LGBT people, they face um, increased harassment, uh, increased bullying increased um danger and for transgender women of color that is even increased uh, more so yes this is a reality for transgender people
0: indeed for people who someone decides is different from him or her and they kind of go exactly. often go all out to create as much harm for that person who is simply different that's all just different mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, and and there, for the most part, people—and I must say, for the most part, people were very warm and accepting, and um, and wanted to learn. My whole community um, in New Jersey wanted to learn more about transgender, and we did help along that process because one thing that helped me in my grieving was to um, to go into education and advocacy mode to help people understand what it means to be transgender. And in fact, as I said in the book, we had um, we brought in uh, a film that was made by some women in California. And they came um, to New Jersey, to our high school, and they spoke to classes about um, bullying and about LGBT and what that means and what acceptance means. And um, they showed the film at night as well. And the audience was filled. The kids brought their parents back, community members came. It was really quite heartwarming to see how much people wanted to learn and understand.
0: You know, it's so interesting that Jenny, through you, is actually continuing to teach um, and to open Mm -hmm. doors for people. Karen Schiffman Latiner, author of Timeless Dance, we're going to take a break and we will be right back. Karen, there was a moment on the beach near Santa Cruz where you were struck by the dance of a stranger. Can you tell us very briefly about that as we begin to close our conversation today?
1: Uh, Yes. Um, The cover photo is Jenny dancing on the beach. It was taken uh, less than a week before the accident by her fiancé. Uh, It's a wonderful photo. Um, After Jenny died, we went back to California to um, straighten out her affairs and etc. And we went to the same beach where Jenny was dancing Um, and a man appeared in flowing clothing and he just started to dance in front of me. And he danced this beautiful dance of freedom. And I don't know where he came from, who he was, but it just felt like um, it was very comforting to see him dance, and the dance, see that the dance continues, the dance of life continues. And I thought of Jenny, and I wrote a poem about it. But I don't think we have time for me to read it. But there is a f- poem in the book about how Jenny danced on the beach, and released her soul and her spirit.
0: What a powerful experience for you to see that man um, in flowing clothing. I mean, it just really sounds almost like it was Jenny.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What is the Jenny Josh Latiner Memorial Fund?
1: Okay. After Jenny died, people wanted to donate money to something. So we set up a fund, and we used that fund to, um, to send small grants to um, different organizations or programs that help transgender children or adults, mostly children, and work on anti-bullying.
0: Wonderful. Tell us yeah. how... so we
1: still do that. Tell us and how... Some of the... Proceeds the of the book. We'll go
0: to that. Oh, that's wonderful to know as well. And again, the name of the book is Timeless Dance, A Story of Change and Loss. And, and as I know I said earlier, it's, it's such a wonderfully um, written sort of invitation into Josh and Jenny and into the lives of your family as you all came together to celebrate who Josh was and then who Jenny was becoming. Tell us where people can get more information about Timeless Dance.
1: Okay. um, If you Google Timeless Dance, a story of change and loss, uh, quite a few places will come up online. Uh, And it can also, um, at various outlets plus libraries, it can be ordered through libraries.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. All right, and so, again, Google Timeless Dance, a story of change and loss, and you'll get lots more information about what we've been discussing today. Karen, thank you so much. Karen Schiffman-Latiner, thank you so much for sharing your family story, for sharing Josh's story, for sharing Jenny's story with us today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you daily as a public service and is not intended to replace any work that you may choose to do with a medical, mental health, or other professional. Mind Talk is available to you on demand by going to mindtalk.org. That's M Y N D T A L K dot O R G. You can check out your favorite platform, it is likely to be there as well. Uh, there's also a MindTalk app so you've got all kinds of options for staying in touch again that's m-y-n-d-t-a-l-k dot o-r-g if you'd like to be in touch with me directly that email address is pamela p-a-m-e-l-a at mindtalk.org and remember always if it's unacceptable then it's unacceptable you take care We'll